Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. Fast of my good afternoon. It's just gone six minutes past two. I'm Christy Dehaven and today we are back on the Conister Rock, where we spend an hour sharing music and memories with some of our best-loved island personalities. It should be said that the last time I saw our castaway, he was spraying the gaiety audience with water from a panda's bottom and children were shouting wishy-wishy-wee-wee at him. But uh, David Artis is not just about cheap laughs and toilet humour, allegedly. There are many strings to his theatrical bow, so to speak. After playing some of the biggest roles in musical theatre, from Phantom, Phantom to Jean Valjean, featuring in a number of films and delighting and shocking audiences with his pantomimes, which he writes and stars in, I think it's safe to say he absolutely fits the title Local Celebrity. And I'm very much looking forward to spending the next hour sharing music and memories with him. Uh, Dave, your stage and screen bio, I have to say, is ridiculously impressive. Uh, it does beg the question, though, did you not ever consider the, the idea of sort of going off-island to pursue your dreams? Well, you've got you've got to remember... Well, afternoon, Chrissy. Um, you've got to remember how very old I am. And, um, oh, and actually... Oh, well, you're not very old. <laughs> when I was um, probably... Op- when I could have done it, um, it, it, it wasn't a possibility for me. There just wasn't... You know, people people didn't do that sort of thing. Um, they they uh, my, my dad said I had to work and, 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 and went into a factory and that was that sort of thing. And then, hey, presto, before you know it, you've got a family and... Actors are nomadic creatures and you can't drag your families everywhere. And I love the Isle of Man and I actually feel like I've got the best of both worlds. Uh, I've got a brilliant hobby and then, uh, you know, a good job and get to pay a mortgage and go on holiday and all the things <laughs> actors can't do. Um, and uh, But still get to enjoy, you know, all the amazing aspects of theatre. So. Uh, it's interesting, we, I was chatting about this actually downstairs with, with our Ben, Ben Hartley, who's uh, been involved in theatre himself for, for some years and pantomime, of course, for Peel Pantomime mm-hmm. as well. And we were talking about the possibility that for um, the likes of yourself and other actors and musical theatre stars and, and artists, musical artists or whatever, staying on the Isle of Man could actually afford you better opportunities in a way because when you think of some of the roles that you've been able to yeah. play oh definitely what well, 1000 percent there's absolutely no way my cv would read as as it as it as it does and, and obviously cvs are all made up anyway so you'll know that that's a caveat of any cv that you read but um but yeah um look you, you know we've got in terms of film there was a um, you know during the time when i was i was doing lots of you know one liners is the best way you can describe it some of them were six liners um you know got to work with david bowie and all this kind of thing so one day in 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 a factory and then next day sat across the table with david bowie rehearsing lines what was like, he like i'm so jealous oh well, do you know what? i don't know and i don't I, I i didn't get to speak to him because i was too nervous you know you know <laughs> what do you say to david bowie um and there was about six other people in the room as well so you don't go hi dave what do you have for tea or you know it's not it's not what you did but um yeah no that that sort of thing was completely unique to the isle of man you know because i had an equity card and they said find me s- someone who looks like a policeman who can say two lines without falling over and then i got to do that where could you do that in the world nowhere and then the isle of man has been able to carve out um this very unique niche for itself in terms of its rights um to 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 produce uh, musicals so nowhere in the world could you put on phantom with amateur rights nowhere in the world could you do that with les mis or miss saigon you know and you know i've played leads in all those three and there's I don't think there's any actors that have done all those leads before, and, and that's nothing to do with my talent. That's to do with where I live. So uh, you're not too shabby, to be fair, Dave. I think oh, plenty well, of people you know, I, would I say that. Well, 
<laughs> Why is it then that we can capture those rights? What is it about the island? Um, do you know what? I think it's just because it's not part of the UK and it's not part of the EU. So, um, you know, I believe that the likes of New Zealand ha- have those exact same rights. Um, but um, so, so, th- so the thinking is that you're not taking seats away from the West End and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Broadway. Uh, you're not a threat to them. But of course, you pay quite a lot of money to the to the writers of these musicals. So there's a there's a nice halfway house between the two. And the uh, and the acid test was, you know, w- when we first started to get these rights, when they when they put on Les Mis and uh, and that sort of opened the floodgates um, that we did it well. We didn't do it a disservice. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we are we are fairly well off on the island um, in terms of our you know budget for, for production. But we have this amazing theater as well. So it's not a bingo hall, you know, you're not putting Les Mis on in 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 your local cinema. It's it's in the, the one of the best theatres in the world, and you know all of that adds to someone making a decision to go. Okay, Isle of Man, fair enough, let them have it. You know, <laughs> and you say you say one of the best theatres in the world. We were just chatting before. I'd completely forgotten about the fact it it not too long ago almost wasn't a theatre anymore. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the it it costs money to run a theatre like that, and there's always. You know, politicians who are looking for low-hanging fruit to, to you know, to, to cull theatres. And I'm not sure if you're talking about in the 80s when it was sort of um, when it was rejuvenated by Mervyn Stokes, or whether yeah, a couple of years ago it was, you know, attempted to be sold off. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, it was it was very dilapidated in the 80s, and um, and and luckily we had uh, you know we had we had Mervyn who took hold of it and and resurrected it to to exactly the state it was, you know, 100 years ago, which is amazing. There's uh-huh. not many theatres like that in the world I promise you it's so true and I know that when we've, we've had people over here in the past I know with the film festival being able to bring over the likes of, of John Hurt and I, I remember seeing him walk onto the Gaiety stage and mm. he had a tear rolling down his cheek because he just said it was so beautiful and yeah. he felt really privileged to be able to stand on that stage and people of the Isle of Man in, in amateur societies and from all different walks of life get to do that on a regular basis. We are so fortunate. Yeah, you don't we? you don't realise how, how lucky you are. And, you know, I, I used to I used to love it walking into the theatre with professionals. So you maybe pick them up from the airport or go for a drink with them. What have you? It's the first time on the island. They're, they're looking round, you know, thinking, Whoa, where are, where are we sort of thing? <laughs> Expecting it to be a scene from Deliverance or something. And then and then you, you walk into the theatre and they, they you purposely don't tell them what it's or it's like some of them done research but yeah they're gobsmacked just by because you have to be you know you can see pictures and marketing makes things look great but when you're actually there and you see all the castings on the walls and everything um that they're literally gobsmacked because a lot of them have never worked even if they worked you know all their lives they've never worked in a theater of that quality and uh, yeah it's something that we, we i have to pinch myself sometimes mm-hmm. and not only these incredible roles that i mentioned some of the ones i mentioned before that you've, you've played but you actually i remember uh, were part of something extremely special when it was the anniversary of the theater i think it was 100 years of the theater mm. and they reenacted the corsican brothers yes. and you were actually able to be on the Corsican trap weren't you I which was, yeah. there's very few actors in the world who will ever have been able to actually be on a Corsican trap yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> to be honest with you it didn't work that well because <laughs> <laughs> it jostled uh, a bit didn't the, it <laughs> yeah the Corsican trap uh, it's very hard to do this just on radio but uh, yeah it's it's basically what you know if you can imagine a conveyor belt 
Um, so, so the actors um, elevated up at sort of a, I don't know, 30 degree angle on a conveyor belt and a hole in the stage traverses along. So you, you're coming up and, and that was the CGI 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. So they, you know, they put low, low lying smoke on and an actor would traverse sideways up the stage. Unfortunately, um, they couldn't really figure out how it was done. They had to get engineers, specialist engineers to make this trap. And yeah, so I was the uh, I was the guy that had to come up the ghost out of this trap, and and unfortunately it just jolted along, <laughs> and, and in most of the performances I had to lever myself out of the thing. Uh, of course, the Victorians would have done that extremely well, but maybe m- maybe maybe not so much so in, uh, in the year two thousand. But yeah, it was it was very it was they they did um, the Corsican Brothers, which was the which was the you know the whole Corsican trap thing is very special. They did the Telephone Girl, which mm-hmm. I think was the first musical that was ever performed on the Gaiety, and then they did a big favorite which was joseph you know so we got a a chance to do all of these different shows during that summer season which was amazing yeah we have seen some fantastic things here we really have now uh, looking back then at where it all first started for you um in the information you you sent me you said that when you were very little you were allowed to stay up to watch fred astaire films and you said you thought maybe it was part of some cunning plan why is that has has musical theater been in sort of your, your family background then um yeah, I had um, I had cousins who were who 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 were in musical theatre in in Manchester, and and they eventually moved over. Christine Wilde is my uh, is my cousin, so our mums are the our sisters, and um, so it was it was in the family. And and mum, I don't know why. I think I probably had you know sort of natural rhythm dancing around as a kid, and she thought, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, carefully engineer him into uh, a worthwhile <laughs> pastime instead of football or something like that so yeah she, she would only let me stay up to watch the likes of West Side Story or Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly films and uh, you know stay up till nine o'clock when you when you're seven is a big deal so uh, I used to pretend to be interested in but actually I really was so she's clever very clever lady god bless her <laughs> and so did it did you sort of feel a magic then watching them because there is something magical about those yeah there? because you watch how Fred Astaire danced and it is um it it, 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 it is almost magical the way he moved his whole body to the music was you know yeah. something that I used to I used to get completely uh, fascinated by and you know people that speak to me and I wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to talk to them because I'd be so glued on to I still do that now with Game of Thrones by the way but you know something <laughs> slightly different dance <laughs> slightly going different there, yeah <laughs> but I just ignore people when I'm watching stuff but yeah no it's um it, it was it was something that engineered by my mum I think yeah and then you did eventually start going to your, your cousin's theatre school to Christian Wild Theatre School and yeah. what, what you must have been pretty much the only boy doing I, I that was, then. I was for a long time um, uh, Matthew James who you probably know as, uh, <laughs> he joined with me but left fairly soon after uh, so we both decided to take clap, uh, tap lessons but it was it was uh, a case of you know we, we just fancied the girls that were in it that was the reason we did it you know and we were able to justify it to ourselves <laughs> and uh, but yeah I, I kind of stuck with it and, and, and Matt went into sort of the um, into the, the musical theatre role so I did dance and, and Matt joined the operatic and then very uh, about a year after I, I joined the operatic after Matt so he was always involved and we've always kind of been together during that phase um, any sort of competition between the two of you uh, I don't a little bit we're quite different actors actually um, so um, and Matt's got heavily into producing now so he's mm-hmm. producing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang which is a pl- shameless plug because I'm sure Matt will send me the check um, <laughs> which is going to be amazing and, um, and and I do a bit of producing with Panto but I'm far more interested in performing 
Um, but I did drag him on stage at Christmas, so he was my dame in uh, in Aladdin. He was <laughs> fantastic as well. He was. So I, I always fun. believe in ugly dames. You know, they, you've got you've got to be really, really pig ugly to be a dame. And so Matt is amazing for that. Oh, you too. <laughs> and you did also say, and um, in your information, you said try standing at a bus stop with tap shoes in Annika. That's interesting. Did you get uh, any sort of? I don't know. How did your friends react? Were you bullied at I, all I, for doing I, uh, it? Or? No, I, I, I did. I mean, I got I got a lot of stick, as you can imagine. Um, yeah, you know, they were in a bush shelter drinking Merry Down and I was going to parties with girls. That's that's how I, I justified it. You win. It. And actually, you know, now, I, you know, I see those guys um, and we're still really good friends. And um, and, and, and they're like, oh, my God, Art, you did you, you did so well out of that, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was a it was a council estate and I was, um, I, I, you know, I didn't swim my tap shoes round. I had them in a bag carefully hidden and then I'd go to class after sort of thing. Sensible <laughs> You man. learn to be, yeah, you learn to be not, not non uh, um, non-confrontational with that sort of thing don't you yeah well let's get some music on then because obviously part of this is uh, sharing music over the course of the hour as well you've chosen some fantastic pieces of music uh, the first one comes from the Beatles tell us why you have chosen this particular song yeah um, I, I, my mum and dad were amazing I was I, I, I was I was adopted but um, they had they had a plan for me and they you know watching too much TV was a part of their were part of their plan so every Sunday night we were we, we, we turned the TV off and we listened to all the albums they had and um and it was a cl- eclectic mix there was motown and big bands and everything but i cottoned on to the beatles and i loved it i always used to badger my mum to put the beatles on all the time so yeah H- hard day's night was one of the albums that i absolutely loved and uh, and that's what got me into music i think yeah, so we've chosen, uh, you've chosen Can't Buy Me Love as your first song here. Uh, we are talking to David Arts over the next hour. If you want to send messages, you can text 166-177 or email studio at manxradio.com. But let's get his first song choice on now. Can't buy me love, Money, 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 money
That is what I call a cracking first choice. That is the Beatles and Can't Buy Me Love, as chosen by David Artis, who's on the Conister Rock with us this afternoon. Just had a message in, David, from from, uh, Gary Hilton, who says, Mm. I remember you when you worked at Ronsway Aircraft Company and I was singing in the band. I am now envious of you. Oh, God bless him. Hi, Gary. I'll see him some days. Actually, we work quite close to each other. Um, he's He's a postie. Yeah. Hi, Gaz. <laughs> there you go, which is nice. Um, also, we were talking about the fact that um, you were adopted, and mm. I asked you uh, over the course of that song if you had actually ever looked into who your birth parents were, and you have, mm. haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was telling you that um, it, it, in in 1969 when I was born, it was all uh, adoption was run by the church. So. Um, I, I, my, my parents, who were amazing, and I regard them as my parents, um, were, uh, were were very encouraging. Always encouraged me to, if, if I wanted to, go and find go and find them. But because I had such an idyllic childhood, we didn't have any money, but I was well loved. Um, I didn't feel the need, and it's only really when I had children myself, and I thought. Ooh, I better find out if there's any, you know, any health risks or something like that. Or, you know what, silly things like, am I going to go bald? So, yeah, I went and tried to, it took me a few years because it was ran by the church and there wasn't really any records. But, yeah, Mm. uh, I eventually found out uh, my mother was a Kenyan nurse uh, who was over here on sort of a sabbatical. And uh, and my father was a a, a Manx farmer. So I'm I'm actually a Costain. So I do have a bit of Manx blood in me there. I'm very proud of that. It goes back thousands of years as you, as Manx you, and you, Kenyan that is fascinating mm. absolutely fascinating and you've, you've, you've gotten in touch with the family haven't you and I have yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're uh, all lovely people you know uh, my mother lives in Australia so I've got uh, you know four brothers and sisters out, out in Australia and out in the outback all very interesting I've got a very intelligent brother works for NASA and one who digs roads and uh, yeah yeah and then uh, over here I've got brothers and sisters as well half brothers and sisters so it's all An very interesting extended family yes. which is lovely mm. uh, we'll be talking more today over the course of the hour so as I said if you've got any questions for him one double six one double seven but it's just coming up to 24 minutes past two now One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas so you can fit your dental care into your working day. You are listening to Women Today, but we're on the Conister Rock this afternoon. Uh, It's just coming up to 27 minutes past two. Uh, David Artis, uh, we have talked a little bit about your childhood. Uh, Interesting looking back at the information about uh, your time in school. It wasn't exactly a brilliant experience for you, was it? Because you talk about the fact that you had dyslexia, but of course because of the time that mm. this was it, it remained undiagnosed mm. but that in itself I find very interesting because from having dyslexia and as you describe it leaving school basically illiterate and that's mm. in your own words you have now just surpassed so many boundaries and in not only having the ability to learn lines and read lines and but writing pantomimes mm. you ca- you call yourself a not speed reader the right spelling obviously <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so how, no, how did you how did you get over all of that? I then? don't know. I think you know, and maybe the acting helped because I I put a great deal of effort into hiding the fact that I wasn't very good in school and hiding in the back and not putting the hand up and that kind of thing. And actually, I bump into a few teachers who have said I was just sort of the grey man in school and I just hid <laughs> all the time, which which was fine. No, and I don't blame the teachers because they didn't have you know the training or knowledge mm-hmm. to be able to help. And 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I I I did get over it. I, I, I someone gave me a book as I you know I gave you the information. Someone gave me a book when I was when I was twenty one, and I fell in love with reading. And I just learned to read. Um, the best way it's been described is uh, almost like hieroglyphics. So I'll take whole lines in and sentences and, and, and fly through books now and usually have two books going at the same time. And um, and that changed. It, you, know, you, you become more rounded as an individual once you start to understand people's thought patterns. You can only really do that with books. You can't you don't get it off film particularly or, or you don't get it off theatre even. Um, but with, um, you know, uh, imagination is is best is, is best explored through books. And that's when you start to understand, you know, the, uh, the emotions of people and the, the inner the inner turmoils or the inner drives of people. Mm-hmm. And it helps everything else in life, I think. That's a very interesting t- take on it. And, and from having written Pantos then and, and what is clearly a, a real love of books, would you ever consider writing one yourself? Oh, I don't think I'm interesting enough, really. I'd, uh, um, no, I, I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, uh, m- maybe it might be something. I, I'm always thinking what I should do once I can't do anything else. You know, I used to love art as a, as a kid. It was the only thing I was ever good at was painting and drawing. And I think I'm going to do that. But maybe when I'm 80. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a nice thing to retire. Yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And you also say that uh, you love a political debate. And one of the reasons you, you love that is because of the use of the language, having the, the language, English language used yeah. very, very well. Do you think that stems back in, in any way to? Uh, well, again, it all stems from the childhood, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, again, it was my parents' influence. They used to have the news on all the time. And my dad used to scream at the telly at Margaret Thatcher and you know and I used to think what's he getting so upset about you know <laughs> and um uh, and he turned in his grave now because my views are quite conservative actually but um but yeah no I, I it was um it was something that um that again it's the English language and it's not you know you don't get it from plays I, I like to see it being used to its to its full force so and uh, so people at work think I'm think I'm a freak sometimes when I have to do the boring stuff and you know I sort of wire in and get my headphones and everyone else is listening to music and I've got the commons on live <laughs> <laughs> which is bizarre uh, so yeah they throw bits of paper at me and things um, but yeah no it's um, I, I just love you know the, the the turn of phrase that you, you can use to uh, to enforce your you know your opinion on mm-hmm. someone or to or, or to aid um, aid a debate you know, yeah. I just find that fascinating which is <laughs> freaky i know well you're, you're clearly also very proud of, of being from the island on the island you love the isle of man you speak very passionately about the island and in fact in your job i think you have to sort of promote the island in what yeah. you do don't you yeah. do you follow local politics at all um not not so much i i i, I we ha- we talk very briefly about um you know some of the challenges that i think are facing the island and you know i despair at all these buildings that are going to rack and ruin and and as someone who's bringing clients over, you know, prospective businesses to the island. Uh, I'm, I'm acutely embarrassed by Summerland and, and the Imperial and, you know, all these horrible eyesores that are everywhere because really you don't get that in, 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 in developed places. You know, you go to even Asia, you know, Manila where I work sometimes, there's the sections of, of Makati which is all, you know, new money and it's all, you know, beautiful buildings. There's lot, horrible, lots of horrible buildings as well in other parts but, you know, as an island uh, where we are, it's a first world country, we shouldn't have this, you know. Uh, so that, that bit gets my goat sometimes mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I really should you know shut up because i'm not not prepared to put myself forward to change I was anything say, so up or put up, you could be an mhk yeah, you know no, i can snipe from the sidelines that's uh, <laughs> that's what i'm good at you'd be great in a political debate having mm. watched as many of you as you have so so going back then to um the start of your theatrical career then obviously we talked about you being um with christine while theater school with your cousin's theater school 
what was the very first role or very first time you were on stage? Do you remember going from just sort of helping out to actually being on stage in front of yeah, an audience? Yeah, I do. It was, and it, again, it was a dance thing. Um, and it was with a, a lady called Nikki Turner from um, Manx Glass and Glazing, who um, probably won't remember this, but we, we, we did a, a you know a short dance section uh, up at the Majestic Hotel. And I, I vomited very violently in the toilet beforehand because <laughs> I was so petrified. And I only had to walk on the stage and, and hold her during a number of poses that she had to do. And it was Hey Big Spender. Yeah, that was that my very first audience thing. But yeah, Christine, again, very clever, engineered me into this uh, theatre world by getting me to move scenery in when it was, you know, when it was a blackout and things like that. And very gradually got me on stage it wasn't a, wasn't a natural thing it wasn't something that I you know wanted to do straight away but I was fascinated by it so it must have been in there somewhere and I guess as well the background in doing the scenery and being involved in the, the backgrounds the backstage element of things as well has stood you in really good stead for what you've been doing over the past few years yeah the the, the dark side as I like to call themselves would laugh <laughs> if you said that because really I haven't got a clue because it is an art in its own right sort of thing and uh, yeah, no, I'm very, I'm, I'm very definitely a shiny, as they would call me, you know. So the people on the on the stage, and the dark side have their own thing. But I, I, I definitely do appreciate what they do because they're the unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones that, you know, they're doing get-ins till all time, all, all, all times in the in, in the day and night. And um, and without them, you are absolutely, you know, done for. <laughs> you know, if you haven't got the right sound or the right lights or the right scenery at the right place, then everything just goes to a, a you know a massive shambles. And, so. and the standard of what we, we sort of expect now from our local theatre groups and, yeah. and musical theatre groups is so incredibly high. I mean, I would have thought it easily matches what you can see in some of the, the West End productions. And, and yeah. so in order to get to that level, these people have to be exceptionally good at what they do. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And some of it's just, you know, just being just being clever because the mm-hmm. you know the, the gaiety is a, is a working theater but you you don't get the luxury that you do have in in the west end where they basically rip out the backstage you know and put animatronics in it so there's big extending arms you can't do that to to a th- to a theater of that age so you have to it's almost like a halfway house i can't wait to see chitty again another plug because uh, they've got to fly that car yeah. obviously i'm thinking wow they're going to do that um, well but, yeah but you, you saw a flying carpet in the yeah Aladdin. we did yeah that was that was kind of magical and again mm-hmm. um you know, it's sort of fly by the seat of your pants, actually, as a director and a producer, because you think, ah, is this going to work? Because uh, you've got, because you, a five-year-old has to believe that's a flying carpet. That's your, that's your remit, right, at the start of this. And if a five-year-old is look pointing, going, I can see how that's done. There, you, you might as well go home, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, we we flew Jack Divers as Aladdin in at Christmas, and everyone was wowed by it. And actually, that was very unsophisticated technology that did that. I'm not going to give the game away. Don't give it away because no. I might not be five anymore, but I. <laughs> I believe Dave Artis. I believe. I thought it was real. It was beautiful. It was my magic moment. Don't ruin it for me. Uh, Let's get some more music on. I want to ask you about your next song because it involves a first crush, Dave. Well, you'd asked me to cop compartmentalize my life and you know through music and yeah this this one's kind of special because i always think of as you know your first crush which is very powerful actually when you think about it um you know that gut-wrenching feel you have and uh, yeah i fell in love with a girl who was a mod and uh, and and it was during the time of madness's first uh, uh, sort of um songs and uh, so yeah baggy trousers is what i've chosen because it reminds me of you know that very powerful emotion of a first crush are you feeling it coming back now i am i'm gonna get my scooter out later <laughs> Here it is.
great tune. It is Madness and Baggy Trousers as chosen by David Artis who were just talking about his first crush. I was desperately trying to get him to say who it was but you're being very tight-lipped about it. Are you still in touch with this person? No, no, no. No, no, no. That, did, does she ever, did she know? Did she know she that does. you like? No, to be oh. fair, no. <laughs> Dave it Artis is a mod. Yeah. Unrequited, oh, <laughs> bless you. Um, anyway, we, we should really talk more about your uh, your theatre and the panto because, you know, it's, it's no mean feat really going from being on the stage and performing and taking part in these fantastic roles mm-hmm. to actually writing an entire production. And in itself, when you did write your first panto, I think you, think you said it was 2003, that was a heck of a risk, really, because the, I think at that time, and there might still be there, the, there was this perception that you have to have something either off-island or from off-island to come over here for it to mm. be any good. Yes. Would you say that's, that's fair? That was that was true. And and really what what, what happened is, um, again, being a sort of total, token local to the professionals that came over, so they'd hire one or two guys to be in shows or pantos or what have you. Uh, and one of the ones that I was in was truly, truly awful. That's that's that was the driver for this because I was sat there during a dress, you know, in the dressing room, thinking I'm too embarrassed to go out on stage. You know, the lines were awful, the acting was awful, the scenery was non-existent, and it was just like, do you know what? If I got a blank sheet of paper, uh, I could not come up with a worse show than this. So uh, myself and you know, two good friend of mine, uh, Gary Chattel and, and Sonia Callan, we approached Mervyn Stokes, who was the manager of the gate at the time, and said, look, you know give us a chance we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make this a million times better we'll drive the footfall th- through and yeah it, you know he, he took a leap of faith in us as well so i'm eternally grateful for him but yeah it hadn't been done before and the remit was uh, a manx professional company so all, all it was it was locals but people who had worked professionally or were training to be professional and um, yeah that was a, that was a big thing for the island at the time there's lots of companies that do that now but not not then not you must have been so nervous when you first put that out on the stage and Mervyn saw it that mm. sort of element of oh, I hope we've, we've done him proud well it was worse than that Chrissy actually because um, Chris Kane who you'll obviously know mm-hmm. because he works here um, he was playing my dame and then broke his leg three days before <gasps> the curtain up um, so I and was, was it because someone said that to him? <laughs> no, I don't think it was. That is the, what you say, isn't it? Break a leg, but no, he actually did break his leg. And and uh, I think if you if you could die of worry, that would be me at that point. But it's not medically possible to do that, I don't think. But um, so yeah, I ended up playing dame. I was playing a lesser role, so I could direct it. And I ended up going on as the dame in that. So yeah, that first night was the, literally the scariest thing I've ever done on stage and there must have been a lot of pressure as well from the audience who who had because they must have had you know you the high expectations of can these people do this can they make us laugh can they get the balance right mm. how was it received I, you know I don't think you know I think people give um, too much credence to that because it's a panto is an habitual thing so they take their family they don't really know who's producing it or directing it people say they know who the operatic are or the Douglas Choral Union but your average public don't really care or know um, so they went and and because we got a lot of repeat um, business that that year which didn't happen in previous years we knew that we'd done a good job we we sold 
2,000 more seats than previous. And um, yeah, and um, so, you know, we've written seven now, but the, the most successful was, was Peter Pan. And we got 12,000 people through the door for that. And that wow. still holds the record. And we're very, very proud of that. So, um, yeah, that's a, that was a big number to get through the gaiety. That's a, quite a large percentage of the Isle of Man. So, and and uh, how, how, how does the process work? Because you say Peter Pan, there's been Aladdin. They're all big known stories, OK? The main mm. sort of basis of it is known already what is your process then do you just sort of take the main sort of story points and then build everything else around it or how does um, it work yeah i mean look most of it's plagiarism <laughs> i mean completely <laughs> honest with you you know these are all 100 year old gags that you slightly work in a different way but the manx audiences do love manx references so you have to make it manx right mm -hmm. that's the, that's the big thing take a story make it manx right and then the hard bit about panto is you've got to keep everyone happy so, you know, the five-year-old who, who, who you've got to convince there's a flying carpet or, or the dad who's a bit hungover, who the, the last place in the world he wants to be is, is sat there in that theatre. So, uh, yeah, you've got to keep everyone happy. That's the trick. That's the trick of it. And it's also getting a balance between filth and fun, which you somehow managed to do. I don't know how you do it because those jokes, mm. they do go over the heads of the kids, but they land right in the laps of the grown-ups, don't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> no, I've ended up on the uh, on the wrong side of that a couple of times, I have to say. I haven't got that balance right every time, and I have ended up in the paper with, um, you know, with some people being a bit upset. But without without that edginess, then everything just gets so boring for the adults watching, you know? You've got to give the adults something, and, and Double Entendre is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going from Double Entendre now to uh, what is your next piece of music, which is actually from uh, quite a serious musical theatre piece. Mm. Uh, you've chosen Gethsemane. Now, you were part of a production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Tell us about that. Yeah, so <clears throat> this is actually my, my second show with the Manx Operatic Society, and the first show was just about meeting girls and things like that, and, um, and I was cast as um, third leper from the left in Jesus Christ Superstar, and, and um, you know went through the, re the rehearsal process and still just all about girls, but I, when the audience you know, uh, was involved, when we got to stage, I started, it was the first time I felt the power of drama and music together. And again, I'm just lying on stage and Ernie Thorne is singing the song you're about to, to play. And I found myself crying. That sounds really cliche and horrible, but uh, but that's and everyone else in the cast was crying and uh, and and the audience. And it was very, very powerful. It was a massive moment for me. It was like, oh, I, I get this now. This is the first time that I really understand it and and that stayed with me forever so yeah it still remains my 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 my, my best musical theater um song and it's a beautiful version this is Steve Balsamo from the original I think production of Jesus Christ Superstar it is Gethsemane I only want to say if there is a way Take this cup away from me For I don't want to taste its poison Feel it burn me I have changed, I'm not as sure As when we started Then I was inspired now I'm sad and tired Listen, surely I've exceeded Expectations tried for three years Seems like thirty Could you 
shows how little I know about musical theatre. Of course, that's not from the first production at all. Um, who was actually in the first production, uh, Dave? Ted Healy. Uh, he's the famous from the film, the, first, the 70s film, because it was all about, you know, hippies playing <laughs> a Bible story. Yeah, Ted Healy was amazing. But the, Steve Balsamo, who you've just played, was, um, uh, I regard as the best. He had this most incredible... You've, you've cut it off there, Chris. No, but when it goes... He, when he really hits those high <laughs> it's notes... amazing, And yeah. he really does. Let's see yeah. if I can bring one in. Oh, there you go. I got one of them in for you, Dave. There you go. That was Steve Balsamo and Gethsemane. It's because we're running out of time. We're just having a really good natter. Mm. Uh, We're going to go to a break and then we've got one more song choice from my uh, studio guest this afternoon, Dave Artis. Abbey Dental, sponsors of Women Today for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man. Well, I cannot quite believe how fast this hour has gone chatting with Dave Artis. You've got a fair few things to say, haven't you, Dave? Uh, It's been fascinating, but we're going to have to wrap it up fairly soon. So I'm going to ask you the question that I think a lot of people would probably like to know, considering that that lengthy list of fantastic roles you have played uh, on the stage. Could you pin it down to one that's been your favourite so far? Um, I I always give the same answer, which is Judas from Jesus Christ Superstar, Mm -hmm. because, uh, again, it was something... Because it was my first show that I did, um, and then I got to play this extremely rocky character, um, which is... um, And you're always looking for something that's sort of three-dimensional. He's a bit conflicted. Do you know what I mean? He's not straightforward. I'm a goodie, I'm a baddie. You don't really know, and, and that part's amazing for that. So you can play it different on different nights if you if you want to you know so 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 that was amazing but um uh, the biggest one I suppose was Jean Valjean um, which interestingly you admitted to me before we came in that wasn't the role that you were going for no I've always wanted to play Thenardier uh, which is the innkeeper guy and that's what I went for and they gave me Jean Valjean which I'm eternally grateful for and then it's just been cast again um, so it's, it's gone again in February please get your tickets uh, and again I went for Thenardier and then they've given me Javert this time So, which uh, again is an excellent role to be fair piece. yeah no I'm, ve- I'm very I'm very happy I'm over the moon in fact um, but yeah I- I'll have to wait 10 years before I play um, Tenardier. But um, yeah, Mark Doherty uh, from Doherty Quinn is, is playing uh, Tenardier and he is hilarious. Uh, he, he was my sort of gay lover in the producers. <laughs> so As you that's do. weird, isn't it? I, just, <laughs> I can see myself saying that on radio. But anyway, that's, um, but yeah, no, he, he is absolutely hilarious. He'll be brilliant. And while we're speaking of that, we should give a shout out to uh, to our sandbox. Of course, you have shared a stage with before. Mm. And uh, did did you know back then when she was that much younger and, and doing the different roles that she did? That, did you have any idea that she was going to be as successful as she I'd has been? I'd love to say I did, but no, I didn't. I mean, we. I, I always say this, and it's not it's not really true, I guess, but I, I, I'm saying it is, so it is. Um, but yeah, we gave her a first professional gig in Panto, so she was a, a dancing girl in one of our pantos and um, Robinson Crusoe, I think, and. Um, again one for the dads she was dancing around in a bikini type thing and uh, uh, terrible isn't it but yeah no uh, look she she is 
a megastar uh-huh. in theatre. And I don't think, we were discussing earlier, I don't think people on the Isle of Man really realise what this means for the island she is from know, such playing. a tiny population she's pretty woman on broadway brand mm-hmm. new musical biggest musical to come out and uh she's from laxey that's incredible that's just weird that's it's just because weird. you gave her a first role that's I why Dave. it's all down to me <laughs> lucky Fantastic. Break. <laughs> uh, speaking of if there's one role that you could play apart from tenardier you know in sort of if you had the choice of anything what would it be i, I don't know I've, I've done, I've done, you know, I've done Phantom and, and the Engineer and Miss Saigon, and I, 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 maybe um, uh, 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 Oliver. Um, uh, you know, um, a bit old for Oliver now. Yeah, Sorry, Bill Dave. Sykes. Maybe I don't. I don't <laughs> actually don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, as we said, the opportunities over here are endless, and so to be fair, whatever it is, will mm. probably at some point end up on your lap as an opportunity. So uh, it's fan- oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> you can still carry on. You know, mm. it doesn't really matter. Uh, but we should really let you get back to what you describe as the good life. I just have to ask you before we do play your final song, Miniature Sheep, Dave mm. Artis. What? Yeah, it's like a family concern. It's that my, 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 my wife's father breeds these miniature sheep and we're kind of involved with that. Um, Aren't they small enough already? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're for. No one can explain it to me. But, you know, as I said before, as long as I can, you know, uh, give my wife, my, my beautiful uh, instant standing wife, a nice project, then I can go and do theatre. So, uh, yeah, so there's uh, miniature sheep and miniature horses out in Kurt Michael and... Yeah, it's a bit like the good life. So we get home and you know walk along the beach, and we can take even take the horse on the beach. And it's, yeah. the kids must love it. Yeah. Oh, we're we're, we're very lucky because we've got our own little sort of farm, and um, yeah, and and they're out, and and it's a good family thing as well. So whereas before everyone was on iPads and things like that, we're going right. Come on, let's go and feed the sheep and the horses and. Yeah, it's amazing. No, we're, we're, we're very lucky. It does sound quite spectacular. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up, unfortunately, but uh, we're going to have one more song choice uh, from you, and it is The Smiths. Tell us about The Smiths. Yeah, um, well, it's it's that teenage angst thing. They're my favourite band, and uh, I know that people are going to be turning off your radio right now. Hopefully not, but, um, yeah, look, it, it, it was, um, you know, in terms of um, lyrics... You know, I said Morrissey sort of guided me poetically through teenage angst, and um, and that's what music is should be about. It's it's about the the power of of, of the lyric and, and helping you through situations. And I absolutely love the Smiths for that, and nothing else. Well, Dave Artis, it's been an absolute joy being with you this afternoon. And uh, as you said, don't forget to get your tickets for Lamers, which I'm sure will be going on sale at some point soon. Are you doing the Panto again this year? Uh, no, no, it's uh, it's every sort of three or four years. So bit uh, of a year off. Yeah, Cinderella this year. I'm sure it'll be fab but i'm uh, sure it will uh, good work absolutely thank you for being with us. thank you for your music choices and uh, we'll see you on a stage uh, near us sometime soon all, all the best right. thank you christy
Dental, sponsors of Women Today, for all aspects of today's dental care. Highly recommended throughout the Isle of Man.